So I enjoy conversations that begin with a question. Um, at one, a while back, I was with a group when we were asked this question. If you were stuck or shipwrecked on a deserted aisle, don't you like questions that start like that? If you were stuck or shipwrecked on a deserted island, what one book would you want to have? Think about it. What one book would you want to have? Perhaps Robinson Crusoe, a guy who was going through something that you're now going through. Or maybe Tolstoy's War and Peace, a super long book that'll eat up a lot of your time. Or some of you probably said, oh, the Holy Bible. That way you have hope and comfort no matter what the future holds for you. Perhaps the best answer I heard that evening was the surprising but obvious boat building simplified, right? <laughs> By Ashcroft. Makes sense, doesn't it? If you're stuck on a desert island, it's good to have something that you uh, can learn how to build a boat with. Well, Jeremiah knows what is helpful as well. The people of Judah might as well have been shipwrecked on a deserted island. The Bible calls it exile. Exile is being stuck in a place that you don't want to be. I think we all know that feeling. Exile is traumatic. Exile is traumatizing. A lot of the sense of who we are is often tied up with the place we are and the people and customs around us. And when that changes abruptly and violently, who are we? The usual ways for us to find our values and sense our significance vanishes. And after the initial emotion recedes, then we're left feeling worthless, stuck in the depths of hopelessness. Well, the people of Judah were deported for the third and final time in 586 BC, made to cross the Middle Eastern desert to a place 700 miles away. Gone were their familiar way of life, the hills, the herds, the temple, their houses, their businesses, their normal food, all gone. And in the new land of Babylon, the customs were strange. The language was incomprehensible. Even the topography was flat and featureless. <laughs> It's no wonder that they would long for home. But the exile of the Judeans is a very violent and extreme form of something that we go through from time to time as well. Our inner experience of exiles can happen even if we never leave the street on which we were raised. We are exiled from the womb right after birth into a strange and harsh surroundings. We are exiled from home and made to find our way in a terrifying and demanding world of school. 
We are exiled from school to find our way the best that we can in the world of work. We are exiled from our hometown and made to live in a different city or state. These experiences of exile, minor and major, continue through changes in society or changes in government or changes in value, changes in our bodies, changes in our emotions and families. We just begin getting used to one set of circumstances and we're forced into another set of circumstances. Life's losses can create an identity crisis. When we're no longer in a relationship, who do we become? When we're no longer a part of a group, where do we go? When the different seasons of life fall on us forcefully, how do we embrace a new role? When the world throws us a curve, how can I possibly be me? Welcome, Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29 is a letter, sort of a book within a book. Jeremiah 29 is like a practical road guide or to shipbuilding for these shipwrecked people. Jeremiah 29 enables us to learn something about how to deal with negative situations. When you're stuck in a place that you don't want to be, how do you respond? Jeremiah has some helpful guidance. Number one, make the best of things. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Don't decrease. Jeremiah says, build houses. Live in them. You're not camping here. You're not going home anytime soon. This is your new home. Dig foundations, build walls, decorate the, the, the kitchen. I mean, it's like this is your opportunity to live in the land. And your life is valuable, as much valuable here as it was in Jerusalem. And your life is just as valuable here as it will be when you get back to Jerusalem. Get into the rhythm of things. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Enter into the rhythm of the seasons. Get your hands dirty in the Babylonian soil. Be, become a productive member of society. Get to know the irrigation systems of Babylon. Learn what fruits and vegetables are good in that climate. Produce what you can. Then he says, take sons and take wives and have sons and daughters. You can't be the person that God wants you to be if you are aloof or apart from one or one of others. You know, being alone is not good. Marry, have children, embrace family. Increase, as it says, do not decrease. 
I need people when I take you back to Jerusalem. The second thing he says is pray where you are. But seek the shalom of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its shalom you will find your shalom. Now the ESV, if you look there, uses the word welfare, you know, uh, instead of the, word, the Hebrew word shalom. Uh, the NIV, if any of you guys have that, uses the word peace or prosperity, for the prosperity of the city will be your prosperity. You may have learned that the word shalom is a, a greeting in Hebrew there, but shalom means harmony and integration and cooperation, good relationships, all under the guiding hand of God. Shalom is something that we are to seek, and it may be surprising to us that God says, seek it, even in a pagan city like Babylon. And likewise, God is instructing us to seek shalom wherever he places us, because as descendants of Abraham, we too are called to be leaven in the community, a light in the darkness. We are called to witness to the source of true shalom. And then he says, beware of wrong voices, for thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets or your diviners who are among you deceive you. And do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. Jeremiah warns his people, don't listen to those prophets who are prophesying a short stay. You're not going to be here just a short while. It's going to be at least 70 years. And you might think that this is, uh, would dash the hopes of the people getting a letter like this when they were in exile. But it's much better to plan the future based on the truth than it is a lie. And a short stay is a lie, says Jeremiah. God already has the future set out for you. He has plans in mind. And what are those plans? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for shalom and not for evil. To give you a hope and a future. Remember, these words were spoken to a displaced, defeated, depressed group of exiles. They had hung their harps on the willow branches by the streams of Babylon and lost the will to sing. And when they did sing, they sang songs of revenge against the Babylonians. But with God, things are never hopeless. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for shalom and not for evil. A shalom that, has, that will last forever. A shalom that a person can have no matter where they are or who they are with. A shalom that sees one another as brothers and sisters, neighbors and friends. A shalom that comes to us from the outside, 
given as a gift by the Almighty God, a shalom that heals our hurts, that removes our regrets, that forgives sins, that rights wrongs. Everything is renewed by the one who is shalom incarnate, Jesus. And then he says to us, Seek the Lord above all. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me, and when you seek me with all your heart. Jeremiah is saying to them in this letter, Stop sitting around feeling sorry for yourselves. The aim of people of faith is not to live a comfortable life, but to live a deep and faithful life. The only opportunity you have to live a life of faith is in your present circumstances. This town in which you live, this neighborhood that you live in, this life, or house that's been given to you, this family that God has placed you in, this job that God has given to you, these weather conditions that prevail at the the present time. Carpe diem, seize the day, says Jeremiah. You see, exile forces a decision upon us, and We're going to be in exile here on this earth until God calls the world to the end. And so we have a decision to make. Will we focus on what is wrong and feel sorry for ourselves? Or will we focus on how to best live life in the current situation? It's much easier to complain than it is to seek shalom. George Eliot in his book, Felix Holt, I don't know if any of you have read that, has this brilliant line in it. He he writes, everything's wrong, says he. That's a big text. But does he want to make everything right? Not he. He'd lose his text. You see, daily we have to decide how we're going to live in exile. We can say, I don't like it. I don't want to be here. How can you ask me to throw myself into something I don't like? Or we can say, I will make of the best of the situation that God has given me. Because more, than the, more important than the climate of this area, more important than the people here, more important than the economy here, is the God that is here. And the God that is here with us is the God who was also in that place on the cross. Talk about an exile, abandoned by God, thrown to hell, so that you and I can have a home, a real home, our real home with God is our creator and father. Every day we have moments, days, years of exile. What are we going to do with them? Wish we were someplace else? Complain? 
escape into fantasies, drug ourselves into oblivion? Or will we heed Jeremiah's advice and build and plant and marry and seek the shalom of this city? And if we do the latter, where do we find the power to do so? Jesus. He is our true shalom. He is our glorious hope. He is our endless future.